Hi everyone. Welcome to the Desi Crime Podcast. I'm Ishwarya, your host for this episode, and I'm Aryan. Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to our Patreon and subscribe for amazing exclusive features like merch, awesome extra episodes a month, early access to episodes like this one, video calls with us and so much more. To help the podcast out and to avail these awesome benefits, go to www.patreon.com/desicrime and select a tier that works best for you. And if you're already a Patreon member listening to this episode as part of your early access, thank you so much for helping us run this podcast. Whatever little contribution you're making means a lot. Welcome back to part 2 of our episode The Honeymoon Murder the story of Annie Hindocha and Shreyan Devani and what transpired in their lives in 2010 Okay so all we know till now is that Annie was kidnapped and now she's dead Me and clearly so many of our listeners are dying to know what happens next I don't think Ashwara we've ever gotten so many texts asking us when the next part to an episode will be out so many texts on Instagram even tweets yep. on Twitter <laughs> So tell us Ashwara what happened to Annie All right So it's November the 14th now and Annie's father knows his beautiful daughter the light of his life is dead He still doesn't know exactly what transpired but right now that doesn't matter As Annie's father is sitting on Amsterdam airport on its seat with Shreyan's father right next to him unable to control crying he knows his life will never be the same He'll soon be getting on a flight to go to South Africa to bring back his daughter but not like he had ever imagined. In his book he describes sitting in the airport. Quote, a very kind lady from the airline got me some water and tried to console me, but by now I was weeping like a baby. I just could not believe it. My Annie. My Annie. End quote. Eventually boarding begins and the two men get on the flight where Shreyan's father calls for a drink and asks Annie's father to get one too so that they could both sleep better during the flight but Vinod Hindocha could just not get himself to do that he sat there the entire flight awake with his eyes wide open in utter shock unable to breathe just waiting for the flight to land He claims he constantly went back and forth in his mind recreating what would have happened to Annie in her last moments. What had they done to her? Was she in pain? Did they possibly sexually abuse her? Did she cry out for him? In the book he says, quote, "Why the hell did they murder my baby? I would have given them every single penny I had. I would have offered myself as replacement for her. My life all of my money and all of my property for annie and quote ishwara i know you've been reading annie's dad's book but i don't think i or you or anybody in fact could ever imagine the kind of loss this man has experienced yep but also just the idea that you know daily flight or you know any flight that we take there could be a man going through such torment when everybody else is just going about with their day-to-day lives and that is what was happening with Annie's dad he was in a flight to South Africa yep. but everything and everybody around him was acting as if everything is normal to them because it was normal to them it's really interesting that you point this out Aryan because he mentions this sometime in his book as well he says he obviously didn't wish for the passengers to experience his grief 
but the normalcy with which they were going about their business almost seemed disrespectful to him it wasn't their fault that his daughter was dead but he almost hoped the world around him would just stop for everyone the way that it had stopped for him mm. the two men finally land in cape town at night staff from the swedish and british consulate met the two men at the airport and escorted them to their cabs which took them to the cape grace hotel the hotel where shrian and annie had been staying at the reception of the hotel shrian was waiting for his father and annie's father but shrian was surrounded with six other families all indian south african who had come to support the hindotra and devani family one of those six families was that of heather raghavji a woman whose husband was also killed in south africa by carjackers who had shot and killed him with a single bullet a single bullet yes that is eerily similar to what happened is this is this a common thing in south africa um so not really i mean crime is prevalent but annie's father claims that this was just one of those insane hmm. coincidences because annie too was murdered by a single yes. bullet yes that is by correct. carjackers yes yeah that that is really weird Eventually however the cops in South Africa will try to question all of the suspects in Annie's murder for the Raghavji murder as well At the hotel Annie's father is given a room to share with Shrian's father but Shrian's father leaves his room sometime in the night to stay with his son Sometime during that night from the exhaustion of his entire trip Annie's father falls asleep The next morning everyone met during breakfast where Annie's father was still crying inconsolably but in his book he mentions how he was struck by the fact that she seemed fine in fact at the time Annie's father appreciated Shean's strength and he felt like he was being incredibly weak while Shean was being very strong He mentions how he didn't have the energy or the appetite to eat anything because he felt sick to his stomach but noticed how Shrian and his father both ordered omelets. Shrian was talking to other people on the table telling them how the couple's car got hijacked the last night and what exactly transpired. This was the first time that Annie's father was hearing of the details of the night. Shrian tells them that the couple had gone for dinner that night. and were returning back to their hotel in their cab their taxi driver a man named zola tongo of 30 years of age asked the couple if they wanted to see the real cape town and when the couple said yes zola tongo turned off the main road into one of cape town's most crime infested areas where two armed men hijacked the car after driving a short distance the armed men pushed the cab driver zola tongo out of the car and Shrian was robbed of his money his wallet his designer watch and his mobile phone and after driving for another 20 minutes he too was thrown out of the vehicle the robbers then shot annie and left the car abandoned on a random road that night however the cops were unable to find the car or find annie and took shrian back to the cape grace hotel where cctv footage shows shrian crying pacing back and forth in the hotel lobby to see this video go over to our instagram or twitter at desi crime the cops would find the car with annie's body the next morning police later confirmed that annie's george armani wristwatch a white gold and diamond bracelet her handbag and her blackberry mobile phone were all missing and assumed that they were stolen The items stolen in the robbery had an estimated value of USD 6229. Eventually, after listening to the conversation on the table, Annie's father grows more and more frustrated. He finally takes his anger out on Shrian by sternly telling him that he wanted to see Annie right that instant. But Shrian's response would take him aback. Shrian says, "Quote You can't see her today. She's totally drained out. She had no blood in her body. They have to put in liquid to fill her up and make her look good. End quote. His insensitive words stuck with Vinod. And this is not the only insensitive thing though. What what do you mean? Yep. He he the dad does not want to look at a be- 
beautiful corpse the dad dad wants to see, see his, his his baby yeah yeah and this is not the first rude thing he's done i mean i he's at the table discussing the details of a crime his dad has no, not heard of before right yeah these insensitive words did stick with vinod who would recount them in his book many many years later he claims slowly shrian's behavior finally started to seem off to him shrian wasn't crying at all wasn't demanding to know the developments in the case he wasn't consoling vinod who was crying but he was just interested in his phone and laptop the officers quickly make it clear to the family that annie was not sexually assaulted and while that doesn't bring annie back at least they know that their daughter's last moments were not met with this specific terrible fate wait can i just add i think that is i know how from a dad's perspective mm-hmm. it is good that she wasn't sexually abused mm-hmm. but from an investigator's standpoint mm-hmm. why would they kill her if they didn't sexually abuse her the the tendency among rapists seems to be that i mean if you've raped the woman already might as well kill her right but what motivation could they have to kill her if they did not sexually abuse her aryan that's one of the many unanswered questions in this case why did they not just let her go with the other two men if not sexual assault what was the motive they could have robbed the couple together and pushed them out of the car together or killed them together but why specifically annie you're right we don't fully know and maybe we'll find out in the course of this episode that night everyone sat together for dinner where shrian recalled more details of the murder he tells everyone that the kidnappers had asked both of them to keep their heads down the entire time this was also the first time that shrian tells everyone that while they were kidnapped annie said to him in gujarati that she had hid her wedding ring in the middle of the seat that night shrian also tells annie's father that he would like to hold annie's funeral in england and at the time annie's father agrees but eventually he says he wished he had said no and held it in sweden instead the country where annie had grown up finally the next day on november 15th the family is told that they can now see annie's body but shrian didn't go to see her at all he claimed it would be too traumatizing for him to see her like that now aryan i want your opinion on this i think it's firstly very important to realize that everyone grieves very differently to such a big shock but would you simply not see your dead partner i understand where he might be coming from mm-hmm. but if it's the last time i can see my partner of course i would see them right. and again and not I, even the last time this is the first time you're seeing them after they've died They'll right. have the funeral after this, so he'll see Wait, her so again. Wait, so he's not seen her even once? No, no, he hasn't. See, this happened in the previous episode also, where I said it was one weird thing upon the other that the dad mm-hmm. was realizing, but not, you know, making yeah. one plus one is equal to two out of them. This is the exactly the same. Yeah. How could you not see the body of your loved one even once and let it just be buried or whatever, however it was cremated? I agree. No, I completely It's agree not okay. This is I'm I'm genuinely getting frustrated. Okay, continue. Annie's father's first moments seeing his daughter's dead body are best described by him. In his book, he says, quote, "When we entered, I saw Annie's coffin straight away. I kept staring at it. It was open and my daughter was lying there, just like she was asleep. She looked so beautiful." I moved close to her and began wailing loudly and telling her that I was sorry and that I was there for her. I could not believe in all my grief that she didn't get up to greet me. There was no sign of injury to her, something I took comfort in. I kissed her on her forehead, telling her that I loved her so much. End quote. It was now time for Annie's father to leave because tonight They were supposed to be on a flight with Annie's body all the way back to England for her funeral. When he reached the hotel to pack his things, he was shocked, shocked to see Shrian tell everyone that while Vinod Hindocha was just seeing his dead daughter's body, Shrian was getting a haircut and bought himself a new suit. 
That evening, the Diwani and Hindocha family boarded their British Airways flight to Amsterdam, where the airport authorities would stamp the words "deceased" on Annie's passport. From Amsterdam, they flew to Bristol for Annie's funeral, where the rest of the Hindocha family would arrive soon from Sweden. Many years later, Annie's family would look back on the way that Shreyan's family organized the funeral, and they wouldn't appreciate it. Invitations to Annie's own parents for their own daughter's funeral were sent via Facebook, and they were hardly part of the arrangement process. Before the cremation, Shreyan's family decided to hold a pizza party too. They're clearly not an Irish family that they're celebrating a death. Why is this? Okay, to me, not only is the pizza party completely out of the ordinary, of course, to anybody it would be, but how can you not keep your the the parents of the deceased individual involved in the cremation process? That is that is a slap on a wound that is already cut really deep. Aran, this wasn't all. This isn't even the tip of the iceberg. I'm keeping the details really short, but Shreyan's family truly did a lot that didn't sit well with the Hindutva family, who were clearly grieving from a bigger loss than anybody else. For example, Shreyan showed up to dress Annie for the funeral, something only members of the same sex in Hinduism are tasked to do in order to protect the dignity of the dead. He apparently forced bangles onto her swollen arms and then dropped her hand on the metal table on which she lay, forcing her cousin Sneha to plead with Shreyan, saying, quote, "Stop! You're hurting her." End quote. He also didn't let Sneha or Annie's sister Ami spend any time alone with Annie's body. The next day was Annie's cremation and an hour before it the Hindocha family met to spend some time alone with Annie. They put her in her coffin and in that coffin they put some letters that all family members had written for her. But right when they were doing this, right when they were spending their last few moments with their daughter, Shreyan barged in, shouting, refusing to let the family be with their daughter and sister. His behavior actually almost prompted Annie's brother to punch Shreyan. And while he eventually left, he had taken away the family's last few minutes with their daughter before the funeral began. To anybody to whom it this doesn't seem like a big deal that Shreyan barged in and took these last few minutes away, Annie was about to be no more. This was the last time this family would ever see their daughter like this. I know how the entire build up of this episode is trying to hint at something and you and I mm-hmm. both know what it's hinting at and who the murderer might be but the things that are happening now that Shreyan is doing they seem absolutely unconnected to any murder it just seems that he is a complete class A a hole I know he just seems inconsiderate and as though he never loved her to begin exactly with. but But you understand that even if you're not in love with somebody you can you're humane enough to realize that those in love can be right spend some time why letting a dead person's hand bang against the floor forcing bangles through this is not somebody you something you do to somebody you don't love yep. this is simply something you don't do to anybody and this this is inhumane this is not inconsiderate so at the time annie's father and obviously the entire family but specifically annie's father were really appalled by shreyan's behavior but they just thought that he was clearly in this very grave state of shock no matter how much respect i have for annie's dad and i'm sure the respect will only get heightened as the episode progresses mm-hmm. i think me and the listeners both feel a certain anger at annie's dad right. for not doing stuff like for not taking a step when he had to take a step all of this right now you know what i feel i feel like as if i wish i was there yeah, and, and i could punch shreyan yeah. exactly <laughs> in fact aran because of shreyan annie's sister ami never got more than a few minutes alone with annie's body overall she would later cry in front of her father and say quote shreyan took my final goodbye away from me I will never forgive him. She was my sister. I had known her for 28 years. How could he do such a thing? End quote. 
Shrian apparently also didn't let any of Annie's friends from Sweden see her body and tried to prevent them from entering the funeral at all. He also later threw out all the letters that the family had put in the coffin, forcing Ami to say that if the letters weren't put back in, she would scream the whole place down and stop the funeral right there. Annie's father writes in the book, quote, Annie's coffin was placed in the furnace by two workers and as they closed the door, we saw flames rising and heard the sound of it being burnt. I will never forget the smell of fire in that room that day. Annie was no more and as a family, we were broken. End quote. But while all of this was happening in the UK, Back in Cape Town, three men were arrested for Annie's murder. One of them being the couple's taxi driver for the night, Zola Tong. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Initially, all three men gave consistent accounts of what happened. The three murderers claimed that they had conspired to hijack the couple's car and rob them and then set them free, but a struggle with Annie for her handbag led one of them shooting her. They claimed that Annie, Shrian and the taxi driver were all three victims of the crime. Taxi driver Zola Tongo claims he was a victim along with the couple. But then, on the 22nd November, the unbelievable happened. A hotel worker from a different hotel in Cape Town, whose name is Monde Bolombo, was arrested, leading South African media to speculate that Annie's murder was a hit job meaning someone paid the car hijackers money to kill her. But if you think this is unbelievable, then wait till you hear this. By the 23rd of November, all men had changed their stories. The two murderers and hotel worker Bolombo recanted their previous statements and now claimed that the murder was a hit job for which they were paid money by Shriyan Devani. Zola Tongo changed his story too pleading guilty to being a part of the plan and also accusing Shrian of being the mastermind behind Annie's murder. All four men, including the driver, were now to be charged with Annie's murder. This took the Hindocha family back in Sweden by shock. They were disappointed in Shrian for his behaviour since Annie's death, but never did it ever cross their minds that he could have killed their daughter. That is so funny. Every listener me included, that has definitely crossed our minds, yep. right? <laughs> but to put ourselves in the you know position of the in-laws or, I mean, the parents of Annie, but technically in-laws of Shreyan, in-laws would never consider a good, rich Gujarati kid yeah. to do something like that. Yep. Upon hearing this news, Sneha actually goes over to her family to give them more details on how unhappy Annie was in the marriage, showing everyone Annie's text to Sneha, which said things like, I want to cry myself to death and I don't want to marry him. I'm going to be unhappy for the rest of my life. I can't even hug him. A lot of the text Sneha read mentions how she wished she had never gotten engaged. Could this be what... Annie wanted to tell her dad in It Cape could Town. be because we know that Annie never told this to her parents directly because of the pressure of the marriage and the money spent <sighs> on the marriage. Yeah, it could be. By now, the media build-up surrounding the case was only increasing with every single day, leading Shriyan to go on record and deny involvement in Annie's murder. When Annie's father met Shriyan next after the funeral, he noticed that small details in Shrian's story of what happened that night had changed. But many questions still remained unanswered. Like, why did the couple take their cab through that high-risk neighbourhood? Why did they use a local driver like Zola Tongo as opposed to a hotel-assigned official taxi? Shrian had no good answers. Eventually, it seemed like Zola Tongo had become a witness for the cops and had turned on his criminal partners in exchange for a lenient sentence. As the developments in the case started to take place quickly, cops from South Africa asked Annie's father to come to Cape Town immediately. It was there that Annie's father was told by the cops themselves 
that they were seriously suspecting Shreyan for murdering Annie by paying cab driver Zola Tongo. That is crazy. <laughs> this news, Aryan, suddenly went from being the figment of like yeah, gossip-hungry exactly. news mm. channels mm. to a reality in the minds of Annie's family, and it caught them off guard. One of the senior cops told Annie's father that he firmly believed it was Shreyan's work. The theory went as follows. Shreyan hired Zola Tongo for help with the murder, who then hired the hotel worker to find two gangsters to kill Annie. I think the listeners want to believe that Shreyan is the killer. I think I and the listeners are like, we don't like the character, but I'll just play the devil's advocate for a second. Where and when could have Shreyan found the time to pull all of this off? When did he hire Zola Tongo? I mean, there there has to be evidence of all of that. Remember, this is they planned a long drawn out marriage, and right after that, they went on a honeymoon. Doesn't seem a lot of time to plan a proper hit job. Aryan, you want evidence, and evidence there is in spades. Oh man! So the cops claim that the couple met Zola at the airport when they first landed in Cape Town, and they asked Zola to be their driver for all of their upcoming days in Cape Town. Phone records reveal that Shreyan was in contact with Zola Tongo many times that day and also the next day. The cops claim that Zola Tongo met the two murderers on the morning of Annie's murder. It was Shreyan and Tongo's plan to drive the car through the high crime neighborhood and to rob the couple of their valuables to make the murder look like a robbery gone wrong. But the biggest piece of evidence was CCTV footage from within the Cape Grace Hotel from the day after Annie's murder. In this video, Zola Tongo has come to meet Shreyan at the hotel. And according to the cops, he was there to collect the remainder of the money for the hit job. To see this video, again, go over to our Instagram and Twitter at Desi Crime. Aryan, in custody, Zola Tongo claims he was there to take money from Shreyan and sometime during this conversation, Tongo warns Shreyan that there are cameras in the room. At that exact moment in the CCTV footage, we can see Shreyan Devani turn his head up and scan the cameras in the room. Holy crap. Other CCTV <laughs> footage shows the couple first arriving at the Cape Grace Hotel, where Annie walks into the hotel with her bags, but Shreyan stays outside talking to Tongo for nine minutes. Yet another CCTV footage shows hotel worker Bolombo in his different hotel receive a call from Zola Tongo just a few minutes after Tongo drops the couple off at the Cape Grace Hotel for the first time. In this call, Tongo is telling Bolombo to arrange for two men for the murder of Annie. Shortly after this call, Zola Tongo arrives at Bolombo's hotel and the two are clearly up to something. They go into this back room together and they are finding a phone number on their phone. The cops will claim that Bolombo is finding the number of the men who he thinks will be up to killing Annie. There is also CCTV footage from the couple's first night out at dinner. In CCTV cameras, we can see them leaving the hotel and walking to a restaurant which is very close to their hotel. The waitress at this restaurant will tell the cops that the couple seemed very distant. And halfway through their dinner, Shreyan left Annie sitting in the restaurant, apparently to take a business call. A business call. Even e- See, this is the thing. Even if it was a business call, mm-hmm. who takes business calls on a honeymoon dinner? Oh, but it wasn't a business call. Oh, CCTV of course it wasn't. cameras will show us that he had actually left his phone back at the hotel and he was actually going to get it. And his phone records will reveal that the moment that he goes to get his phone and finds it in his room, he and Zola Tongo have another phone call that lasts 5 minutes and 26 seconds. There is evidence of this. This is is all proven. Yes, there is. With these revelations, Annie's father has a big decision to make. As Annie's next of kin, it is up to him to decide whether or not Zola Tongo will get a relaxed sentence in exchange for becoming a state witness. He hated the thought of letting one of the murderers of his child off easily, but he agreed with the request of the cops. It was better to have him as a witness Mm. to fully prosecute the Mm. other men. I agree. Because of this agreement, Tongo was going to be in prison for 18 years as opposed to 25. 
Shortly after this decision, Zola Tongo was made to go on record to claim that Shriyan had planned the murder. And on hearing this, the media lost their minds. Back in Bristol, where Shriyan's family was staying, Shriyan was arrested and sent down to Scotland Yard in London to work on his extradition to South Africa. While the details of his extradition were being figured out, he was held in a jail in London and also had court appearances, an event that all of uh, Annie's family and Sneha specifically attended. In South Africa, on the other hand, Annie's father was sitting through the court hearings of Zola Tongo, who was describing exactly what went down that night. Zola Tongo said in one of the court hearings, quote, After we arrived at the hotel, Shriyan Devani approached me and asked me if I knew anyone that could have a client of his taken off the scene. I understood he wanted someone killed. He was willing to pay 15,000 rand for the crime. This is when I reached out to hotel employee Bolombo, who put me in touch with the men who would commit the murder. End quote. But despite all these media acquisitions and the news pieces against Shane, nobody, and I mean nobody, including Annie's father, could really figure out why Shane would kill Annie. In his book, Annie's father says, quote, why he had money, looks and education and now a beautiful young woman who had agreed to spend her life with him. Why would he get her robbed and murdered? I was all for the police continuing their investigation, but I could not fathom why the police would accept Tongo's accusations against Shrian so easily. End quote. And even if they were in a bad relationship, mm-hmm. that is of course not a motivation. That is not a legitimate motivation to get your partner, quote unquote, off the scene. It's right. The, Again, again, right, it just seems plausible that Shreyan might have got it arranged, but there is no alibi, there's no motivation to, do, to to put him for that. Yep, no, I agree. This is another one of those really, really big unanswered questions is why? So at the moment, we don't quite understand why the two carjackers killed Annie, because right. there seems to be no motivation for them to just kill her. Right. But we don't also see any motivation on Shriyan's part to have organized it. Exactly. Who did this? These questions that you're asking, Aryan, slowly begin to disappear, however, when a specific headline began to make rounds. Headlines about Shriyan being gay. What? While Shriyan came out and explicitly denied these rumors, this didn't stop the media. Articles and segments about people claiming he was gay became common and the Hindocha family began to wonder if this was the reason he wasn't being physically intimate with Annie and perhaps Mm. the reason he killed her. An article by an investigative journalist named Nick Parker confirmed these rumours. In this article, Parker told the world that a man named Leopold Leiser or the German master who was a male prostitute, had agreed to come forward to claim that Shion had paid him £1,100 for three sessions with him, the last session being held only a month before the couple's engagement. So he was cheating cheating on her. Yes. With a man. With a man. Doesn't make it better. It doesn't. It was also claimed that Shrian was a regular at a gay fetish sex club in London called the Hoyts. This revelation obviously left the Hindocha family shocked. If these rumours were true, Shrian was gay. He had lied to Annie, refused to be physically intimate with her while he was paying for male prostitutes for sex. And all of this while he was dating her and engaged to her. And married. And married. With these articles, more CCTV footage services from three days after Annie's murder, where you can see Annie's father sitting in the Cape Grace Hotel with his head in his hands, but Shrian in front of him just working on his laptop. But then in the CCTV footage, you see Shrian get up and leave to meet Zola Tongo, while Annie's father is sitting right there. Shriyan and Tongo walk into a room of the Cape Grace Hotel and Tongo walks out of that room eventually a couple of minutes later 
with a white packet in his hand. A white packet. There's this one very easy way to put this all to rest. Can Shreyan justify these footages to the police, to the court? Shreyan just needs to produce a decent enough justification to answer these questions. So he had a ton of different explanations for all of them, but to me, honestly, none of them sound very convincing. For the first footage of Tongo dropping the couple off at the hotel and Shreyan staying outside to talk for nine minutes, nine minutes is a long it's time. It's a lot. Nine minutes right. is one fourth of this episode. Nine minutes is a long time. Right. Shreyan claims he was simply discussing the couple's itinerary because they had hired Zola Tongo for all of their future days in Cape Town. For the footage of Shreyan meeting Tongo the day after the murder, where he looks up to find the cameras. He says he was asking Tongo about recent developments in the case and if he was okay or not. In the footage where Annie's father is in the hotel and Shreyan and Tongo go into a room where Tongo leaves with an envelope, Shreyan claims he was paying Tongo money that he had owed him for all of his days of service of driving them around in Cape Town. It was almost as if the Hindocha family was being hit by one shock after another without any time to mourn their child. In the middle of this crazy media frenzy, Shreyan tried to commit suicide by overdosing on pills, but he was rushed to the hospital on time and he survived. His suicide attempt and his deteriorating mental health condition led him to be admitted in a psychiatric hospital in Bristol. Now I feel bad for Shreyan. This case is making me lose it. I'm feeling bad for one person after the other. <laughs> That's a lot of people to feel I bad know. for. While Shreyan was receiving mental health treatment in the UK, Annie's family was in South Africa, overseeing the investigation and revisiting the place where her body was found and where she had last had dinner the night before she was killed. Then, in May of 2011, six months after Annie's murder, her family gathered around a lake in Sweden, Lake Vanern, where they scattered her ashes. It was a lake where Annie had spent many days as a child, playing in the water, swimming and running around its banks with her friends. Eventually, it was March of 2012, and a year and a half had passed to Annie's death, but the case seemed to have stood still. Shreyan was still not extradited. Back in South Africa, one of Annie's murderers as well as Zola Tongo were put behind bars. The only one person remaining was the man that pulled the trigger. He was a 23-year-old father of three children, and his deteriorating health due to a brain tumor had delayed his trial and sentencing. In November of 2012, shortly after Annie's second death anniversary, the third person responsible for her murder, this man, the man that pulled the trigger that night, was sentenced to life in prison. And then, finally, in July of 2013, Shreyan is asked to be extradited to South Africa. In South Africa, Shreyan was going to be held in a psychiatric hospital in a private room with 24-hour suicide watch. By April of 2014, a whole year later, Shreyan was handed to South African authorities, where he went with a private charter plane. being his mode of transportation a flight that costed the south african taxpayer 160000 pounds shortly after that he was standing before the high court in south africa being charged with murder robbery kidnapping and defeating the ends of justice the court read out the details of the victim annie hindocha born march 12 1982 Sweden died November 13th 2010 South Africa and with this Shreyan's trial began the german master the male prostitute was also one of the prosecution's witnesses in october of 2014 the trial began shreyan came in looking weak and frail but with his family right beside him the two families sat on opposite sides of the court with three sections of the media separating them 
Shriyan pled not guilty to all charges against him. But with this not guilty plea, he proceeded to provide the court with a long justification as to why he pled not guilty, an explanation that left everyone shocked. He said, quote, I have had sexual interactions with both males and females. I consider myself to be bisexual. My sexual interactions with males were mostly physical experiences or email chats with people I met online or in clubs, including prostitutes like Leopold Leiser. End quote. Eventually, Shrian's internet records will reveal to the court that he was surfing two different gay dating websites when he was with Annie on their honeymoon and also two days after her murder. On Shrian's laptop, cops would discover 53 emails exchanged with a gay man while Shrian was dating Annie, all of which were of a sexual nature. Guys, I'm not saying anything. I'm just sitting with the with my mouth open yes, right now. You won't I hear anything Aran's from mouth me. Has I'm just been listening. Open for a while now. <laughs> In one of those emails, it was actually the other gay man explaining to Shrian the importance of a marriage. In Annie's father's book, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it is unbelievable. Everything you've just said is unbelievable. The man. He, who is exchanging emails with us telling him the importance of marriage. Yes. This this is like, this is out of a... Out of a movie. I agree. <laughs> In his book, Annie's father says time and time again that he's not homophobic and he doesn't want to be misunderstood. He holds no animosity against gay people. But to find out that his daughter was lied to and that her husband had a secret sex life with men while he refused to share a bed with Annie was horrifying. Shrian proceeded to tell the court after all of his escapades about his love story with Annie, reading out a private email he had sent to her early on in their relationship, a fact that Annie's family found very disrespectful. He then reaches his account of the night of the murder, giving his detailed description of what happened. He tells the court how the kidnappers told the couple that they would let them go separately and that the kidnappers constantly had one gun pointing towards Shrian. A few days into the trial, the video of the crime scene, with Annie's body still in it, was shown to the court. Annie's father and mother left the courtroom before it could be shown. Ami and Anish, Annie's sister and brother, gasped as the cameraman in the video opened the door of the car and there, laying on the back seat of the car in her beautiful black French connection dress and tall black heels was Annie's body with her face down on the seat. Those who saw the video said the cameraman's hand was shaking as he filmed. Eventually, the doctor present in the court mentioned that the location of the bullet in her neck would have meant that Annie was dead in a few heartbeats and would have not suffered a lot of pain. The doctor also claimed that her spinal cord was completely shattered from the bullet and had she survived her attack, she would have been paralyzed for the rest of her life. On the third day of the trial, the judge had had enough of hearing about Shrian's sexual life and asked the prosecution to stop discussing it because according to the judge, it had no bearing on the case. Prosecution tried to argue that it was relevant. In fact, the German master was going to come forward to claim that Shrian had contacted him just a few days before the wedding, asking for a, quote, way out of the marriage. But the judge wasn't convinced. And with his sexuality being ruled out, the prosecution lost their only established motive for Shrian to kill Annie. With this, the Hindocha family knew somewhere in their hearts that Shrian would not be found guilty. And to be completely honest, I don't think they wanted Shrian to be found guilty. Mm. They just wanted the truth to be out. They weren't convinced that Shrian was the murderer. 
During the trial, the man that pulled the trigger and killed Annie died of his brain tumor in the prison hospital. Sneha, Annie's best friend and cousin, also took to the stand in the court to tell everyone how unhappy Annie was with Shreyan and how poorly he treated her. She also pointed out that she didn't believe Shreyan's sequence of events surrounding the murder. She thought he was lying. One of the things she mentioned was how beautifully Annie was dressed the night of the murder and how Sneha knew from all these years of knowing Annie that Annie would have never dressed that way had she known she was being taken to a shabby seaside shack for dinner and that she would have never agreed to have the car turn into a random township so late in the night. Just a small sort of point to make here that if you go to the US State Department's travel site and enter South Africa, mm-hmm. in on that website page, they will very clearly say, do not be dressed affluently, which is to say, do not wear things that show you are wealthy, because right. that attracts sort of uh, criminals. criminals in South and Africa. if that is something the State Department, the government is saying, it is common sense also, right. to not be dressed affluently, when you know you're in a sort of going to a part of the town that is ridden with crime. So it leads me to believe that she actually did not know she is going to be visiting a part yep. like that. And this is coming from someone who was Annie's best friend, her partner in crime, knew her for so many years, said Annie would have definitely not dressed up that way. And if she was dressed that way, never agreed to take that random road so late in the night. Zola Tongo also took to the stand, but he had his credibility and his testimony shredded to pieces by the defense. During the trial, the fourth anniversary of Annie's death arrived, and once again, the family visited the spot where her body was found to pay their respects. Finally, on the 8th of December 2014, the judge announced her verdict in the court. She said, Quote, Mr. Tongo, who was the only witness who could link the accused to this conspiracy, gave evidence to the court which is so improbable and contains so many mistakes, lies and inconsistencies that one simply cannot know where the lies end and the truth begins. I accept that at this stage of the proceedings, the credibility of a witness plays a limited role. But in my view, the evidence of these witnesses is so replete with fundamental contradictions on the key components of the state's case that I can all but ignore it. In making this finding, I take into account that all three witnesses, Mr. Tongo, Mr. Bolombo and Mr. Kwabe, are intelligent people and therefore more than capable of attempting to twist their version to implicate the accused. End quote. And with that, the judge acquits Shreyan Devani of all charges and all involvement in the crime. She claimed there was no credible evidence linking Shreyan to the crime. And in a very big sense, she's right. Hmm. Zola Tongo's credibility is truly in shambles. A lot of Zola Tongo's claimed calls with Shreyan to discuss the murder don't actually exist when Shreyan's phone records are checked. In fact, Tongo claims he spoke to Shreyan on one of the couple's nights in Cape Town and that call happened to be recorded in the hotel cameras. During this call, Shreyan is sitting right next to Annie with the phone on his ear very close to her and he shows no sign of talking about something so sensitive. Zola Tongo also claimed that on the night of the murder, when he drove the couple to dinner to their seaside restaurant, Annie entered first, but Shriyan stayed back to tell Tongo that if the murder didn't take place that night, Shriyan would kill Tongo. But CCTV footage from that seaside restaurant actually showed that Tongo was lying and that Shriyan was the first one to enter the restaurant and never went out without Annie. And I, I, I wouldn't believe that because a man that needs to hire such an elaborate scheme to have his wife killed, I don't think would have the audacity to make such, to, to make such a threat. That right. just doesn't add up. 
most investigative journalists would agree and they believe that while Shrian's behavior was very suspicious and in many ways very disrespectful there was absolutely no concrete evidence against him there are also discrepancies in the stories of the two men that hijacked the car the one that didn't shoot the gun said that he was very shocked when his partner shot the gun if this was supposed to be a hit job why would he say mm. he was shocked at any being killed they also claimed that once any was shot they got very scared and didn't check if she was dead and simply stole all her stuff and ran away again if this was a hit job and the purpose was not robbery why would you not check if she was dead Arjan with all of this it has now been 11 years since Annie's death and we just passed what would have been her 39th birthday don't tell me that on the 10th anniversary of Annie's death which was on the 31st of December 2020 her family gathered next to the lake where they scattered her ashes on the other hand on that very day Shrian was seen exiting his 3.5 million pound luxurious house in London wearing gym clothes and carrying a cat in a bag. In his million pound house, Shrian currently lives with his boyfriend, Brazilian photographer Gladison Lopez. The two men have been together for more than a year now and they've been seen partying in Ibiza together. On the other hand, life for Annie's family has continued to remain dreary and sad, with only small little moments of happiness like Sneha's wedding where she wished she had Annie by her side. Ami now has two children who will never know Annie and will only hear of her in stories. Annie's room in her house in Sweden has been left untouched by her parents. they've left it the way annie had decorated it annie's father in the years after shrian's trial went back to south africa to beg zola tongo and the one remaining murderer to give him information on what truly went down that night but unfortunately he came back empty handed unfortunately annie has gone forever and maybe What truly happened that night will remain a mystery forever.